Dr. Mark Job says that going deeper spiritually means gaining a better understanding of who God is. You are in a category all by yourself. You are so high and lifted up that we cannot even begin to touch and fathom the greatness of your name. You are holy. Welcome to Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job, president of the Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Gager, pumped about our series on the holiness of God. We continue today with a further look at the Old Testament Bible character, King Uzziah. Well, even the name is intriguing, isn't it? He became prideful and offered incense in the temple, though he was not allowed to. He paraded himself as the great, untouchable king of Israel, indignant, powerful. He was an example of what pride can do to and in a person. And he ended his days separated with leprosy. Wow, humility instead of pride. This is foundational to going beyond shallow spirituality. But let's get right to our lesson today. Here's Pastor Mark. The high priest was allowed to enter into the veiled portion of the temple, the Holy of Holies, only once a year. When they went in, they wore robes. At the bottom of the robes, on the fringe of the robes, they had little bells to indicate that when they went in, people from the outside could hear the bells and know that the high priest was moving around inside, doing the sacrifices and preparing for whatever he had to do inside the temple. But the other thing that they did is they always tied a rope around the ankle of the high priest just in case God, that this high priest had sinned in his life, that he had not done things correctly and he was struck dead. That way they could pull the body out of the Holy of Holies without entering in themselves. King Uzziah decided that he was going to offer sacrifice or incense on the altar of incense right in front of the Holy of Holies. He decided in his mind he was big enough, great enough to do so. So he took a censer in his hand to burn in the altar of incense. And the Bible says that he walked down, marched down the streets of Judah, probably with his entire um, escort around him, the governors and everybody else making a spectacle among the people, letting the people know, I am great King Uzziah. I will go into the temple. No other king has done this, but I will. And he marched right into the temple when Azariah the priest saw him. He said, stop, you're not allowed to do so. Eighty courageous priests stopped him and said, King Uzziah, with all respect, you cannot offer incense. The Bible tells us, look what it says. Verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand ready to burn the incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priest in the presence before the altar of the Lord's temple, have you ever seen someone go into a rage? The veins are popping out in the neck. The face is red. Spittles are being shot all over the place, the voice is strained, eyes bulging out, Uzziah in front of all the priests proclaiming, pounding his chest, how he is the king, how who are they to stop them, that does, do they know that he could have them all executed, and that God has had his hand upon him, that he is worthy to do that, that who are they to stop them, that he is the king of Judah, that if God wanted to stop them, God himself could stop them, he's going to do it no matter what they say, indignant. 
powerful. That's what pride does to us at times. And the Bible says that he pushed through the priest. He went to the altar. Verse 20. Verse 19, while he was raging in their presence before the incense of the altar, something happened to him. While he is red-faced, screaming at the priest, declaring how high he is and how no one can stop him, suddenly the faces of the priest begin to change. They begin to whisper to one another. Some of them look aghast at him. Their mouth open. And then... Uzziah himself feels something distinctly different about him. He reaches and touches his forehead and probably most likely a piece of skin falls off because as he was speaking to the priest, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Do you know what leprosy is? Thank God it's a disease that we don't struggle with in North America, but there's still some leprosy leprosy colonies in places like India and so forth. It's a disease that eats away at the vital tissues of your body. Fingers fall off. Toes fall off. Chunks of skin become so corroded and, and eaten away that they begin to fall away. It was a deadly degenerative disease. And as he was raging in all his pride, leprosy broke out on his forehead, and all of them saw it, and then he realized what had happened to him. And the Bible says that they looked at him and saw that, that he had leprosy on his forehead, and so they hurried him out, and I love this phrase, and indeed he himself was eager to leave. Get me out of here, Okay. You know how Uzziah ended his days? They built a separate home for him. No longer in the palace. He no longer sat on the mighty throne that he was used to sit on. He no longer gave orders and had great processions in which he could display his mighty robes and have people bow in front of him. He no longer uh, brought in the nations from the outside to come and talk. He no longer celebrated great banquets. He no longer dressed in great royal robes to entertain international hosts from afar. He no longer appeared in public before the people. He no longer strutted his prideful kingly self. Now he secluded himself within a decade he died a disfigured man, disgraced and full of leprosy. The nation had been hit by the disgrace of their king. The people had been influenced by his pride and they also worshipped God but had other gods and did not give God the reverence that he deserved. So now 15 years after this leprosy incident, Isaiah's praying in the temple. It's a downtime. It's a discouraging time. It's a time where the people aren't flocking to the things of God, where there's a mediocrity in the air, where people have God but they have other gods. Isaiah is discouraged at the beginning of his ministry, and I believe that God in his almighty knowledge knew what Isaiah needs, what this mighty prophet of God needs is he needs a fresh vision of who I am. 
because he will never call the people to repentance. He will never be on a mission. He will never revive. He will never speak with conviction unless this image of who I am is implanted in his spirit and he understands that I'm much bigger, much greater, much higher than the vision that has been portrayed of me. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Isaiah says. And then he goes on to describe his vision of God. I saw the Lord. He was seated on a throne, high and exalted. A brilliant being seated on a throne that indicates sovereignty, authority, and superiority. You see, it's the throne of God that dictates the affairs of man. It's the sovereignty of God that rules over the universe. There is no power greater than God's power. He elevates kings and puts them down. He raises nations and bashes them down. He is God Almighty, King of kings, Lord of the universe. There is no one that equates to his power. Kings rise and go, he endures forever. He is sovereign over all. I saw him high and lifted up, and the train of his robe, the overflowing train of his robe, fluttered down from the throne and filled to the entire temple where where Isaiah was at. And he says, and as I looked at that throne, I saw some beings. They were called seraphs, angelic beings. A seraph is a type of angel that means like brilliant, glowing. And these seraphs had six wings, it says. And with two wings, these seraphs were covering their face. Because our eyes behold Our eyes behold glory, and the glory of God is too unfathomable for us to behold. So with two wings, they covered their face to shield themselves from the glory of God. With two wings, they covered their feet because it's your feet that walk on the ground, and your feet are always a symbol of of the lowly, dirty part of you. And so two wings covered their feet and two wings covered their face. And with the two other wings, they flew around this great and mighty throne and their voices called out to one another in a thunderous noise that their voices made that literally shook the doorposts of the temple and the foundation of the temple. Have you ever heard a noise that would shake? a house or rattle windows. If you've ever been around an earthquake or an earth tremor, that's the kind of vibration that causes. Or if you live by the L. (laughs) And as these angelic beings spoke loudly to one another, they said to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All of the earth is full of his glory. And then as soon as one said that, another angelic being would echo back to them and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. And as soon as that angel finished, another angel would call out and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. 
And the smoke of the splendor of his glory filled the temple so as the one mighty fog machine filled the temple with the brilliance of this being seated on the throne and the echoes of the angels around him declaring his glory. Holy? Why holy? See, God has a lot of attributes, doesn't he? They could have said, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. They could have said, grace, grace, grace is the Lord God Almighty. They could have said, kind, kind, kind is the Lord God Almighty. Faithful, faithful, faithful is the Lord God Almighty. Knowledgeable, knowledgeable, knowledgeable is the Lord God Almighty. Powerful, powerful, powerful is the Lord God Almighty. Why holy? In Revelation, the Bible tells us that the the angelic beings say the same thing. Holy, holy, holy. What is it about holy? What does holy mean? Why is it that they call holy? What is so important about the characteristic of holy? Most of us, when we say the word holy, we only have this vague, generic idea of what it means, but we can't really define it. If you look at the Hebrew definition of holy, it is from the root word to cut. To cut cut out and separate. God is holy because he is a cut away and above from every other being. God is above all, in a category, by himself. It speaks to his unblemished character. Thanks, Pastor Mark, for helping us understand this as we see spiritual renewal beginning with a new vision of God. You know, there is so much related to going deeper spiritually at our website. You'll find helpful books at Moody Publishers, online articles, even our Today in the Word devotional. Why not head to moodypresents.org? That's moodypresents.org. Now back to our message with Pastor Mark. He is in a category by himself. He has no rival. He has no competition. He is wholly unblemished by himself in a category that cannot be equated, that cannot be rivaled. It speaks to the character, his unblemished brilliance of of character. We are taught to pray by Jesus when when we speak the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. What does hallowed mean? It means holy is your name. We are taught to pray, our Father who art in heaven, your name is holy. It means your name is set apart. There is no other name like your name. You are unlike any other existing being. You are in a category all by yourself. You are so high and lifted up that we cannot even begin to touch and fathom the great of your name. You are holy. And it is out of that holiness that his love flows, his grace flows, his kindness flows, his mercy flows, his everything flows out of the holiness of God. When God loves, he loves like, like you have never known because his love comes out of his separate, his love comes out of his holiness. When God says he loves you, he's not like a 17-year-old boyfriend that says he loves you. No, no, his love is much bigger than that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. All the earth is full of his glory. 
And so you see, it's the holiness of God that reflects his glory. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the radiance of his attributes. It's the shine of his character. And as Isaiah was exposed to the glory and holiness of God, as Isaiah exposed to us, the Bible says that Isaiah had a reaction to it. And I want you to see the reaction. When he saw him, And he heard them, verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost thresholds shook and the temple was full of smoke. Verse 5, it's the reaction to God's holiness. And I said, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Let me tell you what happens when you see God. When you have a fresh vision of God. When you have a vision beyond just the man upstairs or little baby Jesus. I run into people that still say, well, I'm praying to little, you know, the, the, the Hispanics say, Jesusito, you know, little baby Jesus. Almost as though you're praying to some divine baby. Listen, I want to tell you, Jesus is not a divine baby. If you read in the book of Revelation, you see he's got a sword in his mouth. He comes with power and might and authority. He comes as a conqueror. He comes as the victorious king of kings and lord of lords. He is not this this innocent little creature. He was born that way for a season on earth, but he is the victorious king of kings and lord of lords. Remember that. And when Isaiah was exposed to this in the temple, the Bible says that he saw this vision of God's glory, and I want you to see his reaction because he did not immediately go to worship, which would be a proper response. He didn't say, let me get the other high priest so that he can see this as well. It wasn't a response of curiosity. It wasn't a response of inspiration. It wasn't a response of worship. The response to God's glory was one of brokenness and repentance. He said, woe is me, I'm ruined. You're ruined? Because at that flash, suddenly, Isaiah saw the contrast between his holiness, God's holiness, and his sinfulness. You see, you'll never understand how sinful you are and how much you need to be fixed until you're exposed to the brilliance of God's glory and character. You see, a lot of us don't think we're that bad because we keep comparing ourselves to our neighbors. And there's always a neighbor worse than us. How about it? Yeah, you know, I got issues, Pastor. You should see see the guy next door. Man. That guy, he he needs God. He needs church. You know, I got my issue. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. I try to do right, say, you know, not do too much bad, not hurt people. If they hurt me, I try, you know, I, you know I'm human. I, I get that all the time. You think God grades on a scale? You are in the light of his holiness. It's God's character and his holiness. That's why the Bible says that none is good enough to come to God on, our, on his own. That none of us, we've all, fall, we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none of us that our own merit can make it to God because the standard is God's perfection. The standard is God's holiness and we all fall short. 
Isaiah said, woe is me for I am ruined. He saw his own sinfulness and then he saw the sinfulness of the people around, around him and he says, and I live among a people of unclean lips. You see, he realized that he needed cleansing. Here's what I want you to understand. Most of us walk and don't think we need renewal because we haven't had an elevated vision of God. Spiritual renewal starts with a new vision of God. And then you'll begin to realize, going back to the caving illustration, uh, we would get really, really dirty going in these caves. But when you're in the middle of the cave and and the lights are dark and all you have is a flashlight, you don't realize how dirty you are. But when you start getting to the mouth of the cave, when the sunlight starts hitting, we would look at each other and say, wow, we're really dirty, aren't we? But we never noticed how dirty we were until we came into the light. Yeah. Hear, Hear me well, hear me well. Some of us, some of us never know how much we need to change because we're not that close to the light. We're not walking into the presence of his holiness. The more you walk closer to God, the more you realize how much you need to change. Isaiah saw, woe is me, I'm ruined. He fell on his face before God. I can imagine him shaking and weeping before God, saying, I'm ruined. How can we ever survive? I'm sinful. I live in a sinful people. Oh, what can we do? I need to be clean. I need to be clean. I need to be washed. How can I find washing? The seraph saw where he was at, and the Bible says that the seraph flew over to the altar and took Colds from the altar that were burning hot, that animals had been sacrificed them, and brought them over to Isaiah. And as these coals were burning hot, he placed it upon Isaiah's lips. There are several things that that is symbolic of. I think, first of all, you cannot find cleansing except from the altar of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. But the other thing you need to understand is that purification is always painful. There's no such thing as purification without pain. You see, when God starts cleansing you, when you start turning away from things and you repent before God, it's painful. Conviction is painful. When you have to let go of things and your sorrow over them, the Bible talks about Real repentance is sorrowful. You begin to sorrow over that, how you live, what you need to let go of, sorrow that you have hurt God, and it's painful. When God is changing you, it's painful. There is no maturity without pain. That's why the cave of the entrance of Christianity 101 is full of people that don't go deeper because to go deeper requires change and sometimes pain. The Bible says that they touched his mouth. And as soon as they touched the mouth, it touched my mouth and said, see here, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Look at what it says in verse eight. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Let me tell you why I love it. Some of us are not fully engaged in doing what God has called us to do because we haven't been through the process of purification. 
God wants to use every person that's here. God has a call on your life. He wants to use you. But you'll never be at the point of saying, here am I, send me, until God purifies you. And once you've seen God and been willing to let him wash you and cleanse you, then you say, it's not about me, it's about you, God, so now what can I do? What can I do for you, God? I'm a yielded vessel, willing to be used of you. See, if God really wants to get a hold of this church and your life and us as individuals and really make an impact in this city, we're not going to fully engage in our mission until, first of all, we experience personal spiritual renewal in our lives. When you experience renewal in your life, when the fire of God is burning inside of you, when you have said no to stuff and begin to release stuff, when you're walking in God, when his presence is real, then you will be able to say, here am I, God, send me. And now we're willing to be used of him however he wants to use us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, like Isaiah, true spiritual renewal begins with a new vision of God. Can I pray right now for you, that you and I will seek God diligently and go deeper in our understanding of Him? Let's pray. Lord, would you help us be real? Would you help us go deeper with the motive of knowing you in your fullness? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've enjoyed another great message today from our teacher, Pastor Mark Job, here on Moody Presents. And as believers, it's true, we all have an old nature. I sure do. And we can easily be pulled away from our faith by dangerous distractions. <laughs> well, next week, we'll look at God-given warning signs that are in place to help keep our spiritual life from breaking down. I hope you'll join us then. It's an important message next time on Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.